welcome to today's episode of the RSO podcast. This is Margot Stedman, the Education and Community Engagement Director of the Rockford Symphony, and I'm joined today by our concertmaster, Michelle Leckis. Hi, Michelle. Hi. This is a real treat because I feel like I see you in the concert hall all the time. We talk on the phone a lot, but we don't often just get to sit down face to face and have fun conversations, True. which is what we're doing today. So we're really here to talk about our upcoming chamber concert, but I don't want to miss an opportunity to just let our patrons who see you all the time but don't get to hear from you just hear a little bit more about, before we go chamber, your role in the orchestra, that you are our concert master. And I think there's so many things behind the scenes that go into that role that people just have no idea about. And I feel like the longer I work for orchestras, I learn new things still like, oh, right, you do that. Oh, right. So can we just spend a minute talking about what do you do? What is the role of a concert master? We see you come out first. We see you tune the orchestra. We see your beautiful dresses. But you're doing a lot more. Yes. What's, what's going yes. on there? Well, there's the uh, traditional part, the one that the part that you see when I yes. come out on stage. We love that part. And bow to the audience, turn around, get the A from the oboe. All of that is tradition, and it's part of the experience of the yeah. concert-going classical orchestra. Also, when I stand, when the conductor comes out, I'm indicating to everyone to stand. When I sit, people sit. You're keeping and, it organized. Right. Uh, I also shake the hand of the conductor when he comes in and when he leaves. Also, the soloist usually uh-huh. will shake the concertmaster's hand. And that is to signify thank you to the orchestra, from the soloist, for example. You're representing the orchestra I am representing the orchestra. So yes. same thing when I shake the conductor's hand. Yes. I am the link. But before connection. we get to the stage... Yes. There's a whole. That's the fun part. That's easy to be to be on stage seat. and, like you say, wear my dress and shake hands and stand and sit down. That's easy. The whole preparation is a kind of a long process. Yeah, uh, it's very involved, multi-layered. Also, I need to prepare as if I'm playing in the section. So I need to learn my music. Of course, be prepared to perform and all the duties of a the orchestra player. musician. Yes. Right. So at first, the sheet music is handed to me, the first violin part. And I have to, what we call, do the bowings. So it decides what directions the bow go. And I think people don't always know that. Yes. That the, whether your bow goes up or down is written in the music. That's why you guys it are is. all together. Every, everything is written, and the terms are correct, up and down. Uh, but there's more to it than that. So it's not just up and down continuously. Um, there are articulations, that are very important and so numerous. We have a lot of, I have a lot of decisions. Artistic decisions. Yes, artistic decisions. So I have to research the music if I don't know it. I have to compare different performances. Mm. Nowadays, it's easy to go to YouTube and listen to different um, performances of the same piece by different conductors. So I have to, you know, research, see all the possibilities, then make a decision. Uh, I make a decision on what I believe might be done at our orchestra with Uh our conductor. I also consider the size of our orchestra. Mm-hmm. I'm also concertmaster in a different orchestra, and sometimes I will bow things differently because we have a different hall, which projects say, differently. The acoustics yeah. are different, sure. The number of 
violinist in a section is different. Yeah. And, but I also consider the other sections. So uh, I think of the result of the whole string Because your sections. decisions are going to spill over into every other section. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes if I have doubt about what direction a certain piece will take. For example, when it's very precise, mostly classical period, for example, Mozart, Haydn, mm -hmm. uh, even Beethoven sometimes. If I'm not sure if the conductor will go a certain path with it, I get in touch with the conductor. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking tempo-wise for this movement or this piece or this style? Do you want shorter notes or longer notes? Then we discuss what needs to be addressed. Right. And then after that, then I have to use my experience and my judgment in how to apply that to our part. And then I know from being in the office, your part goes to the principal second, and he or she, usually she for us, yeah. has to interpret yours into their music. Yes, and, and a lot of it. the first and second violin music lines up. Often they have to match us, but suddenly, oh, they have to match the violas. So that becomes tricky. So second and violas ideally could be bowed at the same time, ah. but it's hard to get two people together together to do this at the and same time. And then to the cellos. To the cellos and the basses. And then it all has to be copied into every single part. Yes, and that part I don't do. The music course. librarian does The music that for librarian. Us. Yeah. Yes. So all that preparation I think is so fascinating because I, I, I always think if people don't know what we do, it means that the concert is magical for them and that's how it should be. But that's why it's also fun to come into the studio and sit down and share with people those behind the scenes moments of all of weeks, weeks and weeks, weeks. of work. Yeah. Because it all has to be sent out to the musicians far in advance for them to practice it as well with those articulations. Exactly. Sometimes the music is sent out to the musicians uh, in the section before the bowings are completed. Uh, for a number of reasons. Sometimes it's rental music, which comes in later than we expected, mm. but it might be difficult. So it's handed out to the musicians so they can start to prepare. But it's known, you know, that the bowings are not set yet. That's so interesting. So it's a long process yeah. of getting the music ready. Right. And this is before we practice any notes. I have also decisions to make once the articulation is decided. How am I going to play this? Mm -hmm. Because it's the job of people in the section to follow my style of playing mm -hmm. a certain way. So that's the next part of the <laughs> preparation process for me. So I might be wrong. We might get to rehearsal and I play a certain style. And the conductor says, oh, I want something different here. I want lighter or mm -hmm. heavier or just more accents here or there. So I have to adapt my playing. So sometimes I'll think ahead of time of the possibilities and I'll prepare a couple different ways. Oh, wow. But once I'm in my chair and the rehearsal starts, I have to make a decision and decide what am right I... Right in the moment. In the moment, exactly. Yeah. So how often do you talk with the conductor beforehand or is it collaborative in the rehearsal process in that moment? Usually not during the rehearsal because that would take time away from the conductor addressing the entire orchestra. So you're meeting before or after? We don't meet. If we need to talk, usually it's by email or phone. Okay. Or before rehearsal, if it's necessary, we'll say, can we take a few moments? Mm -hmm. I have a few questions about this. Or sometimes it's a conductor reaching out and saying, I want something specific. Mm, okay. 
But there's a lot of trust there that has to be built between the concertmaster and the conductor of an orchestra. Yes, trust, experience, and traditions also in how to apply the process. I love that. Okay, thank you for sharing all that. I think it's so interesting. And I know for us in the office... We really value your artistic input in our organization, and we know all of those decisions and the the knowledge and the experience and all of those things that you have. And it really came out for us when the pandemic hit, and mm-hmm. we thought, gosh, we need to start making some more artistic decisions, and Steve is on a retirement path. And that's when I know I felt I got closer to you as we started saying yes. – the artistic leader for us is Michelle. And so it, it's been really neat over the years that that was one of those silver linings of that, right? Is that we got to be closer with you and learn more about this and draw on your experience to benefit our entire community and what happens in the concert hall. So I think that's really neat. And from that sprung this chamber series. Like yes. we've kind of arrived that when we started talking about chamber music and it, it started out as a necessity of safety with small numbers and then the community responded really positively and you kind of became the artistic coordinator of what's now a whole series of of our programming. And yes. so you're a, a really important artistic leader in our organization. So can you tell us a little bit about this chamber series, this this series uh, season, we had three concerts. What kind of goes into to planning those. What's your role now? You know, we you, concert master, now you wear this other hat of artistic coordinator. What does that entail? I have to start by saying it has developed, right? Yeah. When we first started, first of all, you called me at the perfect time because I was relaxed because of the <laughs> pandemic. Um, perfect time to be creative. Yeah. And uh, if you had asked me to contribute in any way artistic like that, at you know, in the previous years, I probably would have been too, too busy, busy, too stressed. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, to fit that in. And at first, our collaboration was with the museum. Yes, yes. My preparation or the start of a program has been different for every program so far, every concert. Which is so interesting, yes. too, that there's no formula for putting together good art. Exactly. And I've liked that. I like mm-hmm. the creative part of it. Mm-hmm. I like how it's never really the same path. Yeah. And I love where it brings me. Um, I've told you that before. I love the research yes. I do during the thinking of creating a program. And I know I've heard from the musicians that participate that they also love it. They love playing different repertoire. They love the rehearsal process of meeting with their colleagues in that small group. They love that they have to change their rehearsal style to prepare for a chamber piece versus the whole orchestra. They're much more exposed mm-hmm. and they feel like it's strengthening them musically. Our patrons love being able to hear from you all during the concert. It's just turned into this really special thing in our community, I think. Yes, and chamber music is something that we are uh, we all experienced mm-hmm. in our training in school. Mm-hmm. Um, some people did it for fun with you know other classmates, but we all get chamber music training in school. But then in our daily work and activities and concert schedule, there's not so much of it. So an op- opportunity to do chamber music suddenly gives value. Aww. to our um, to our work and we can be more expressive because in mm-hmm. an orchestra mm-hmm. you pretty much are told how to play you have less freedom mm-hmm. musically artistically sure so chamber music 
is the place to do it. It's the democracy that kind of Carl talked about in our last podcast with chamber music. Everyone kind of gets to say when you're rehearsing how a piece is going to go. Yes, and we react to each other. Yeah. So when I practice my part alone for a chamber music program, I have an idea in mind. I practice a certain way. But then I sit down and rehearse with my colleagues and I'll play it differently than what I practiced because yeah. I'm inspired or yeah. suddenly the physical motion that we hear or what we hear um, and colors in the other instruments mm. inspires us in different ways. So now it becomes a real work in progress. So the rehearsal happens like that. It's not just in performance. During yeah. the rehearsals, you develop and work on that. So the rehearsals are fun. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So... For this chamber concert coming up, which is what we sat down to talk about, but I love hearing all these other things. There are six musicians I know that are performing on this concert. So which which came first in this process? Did you decide these were the six that were right for this concert or did you pick the music? How does it how does it go? Is it It's or- not a clear line like that. <laughs> Like I said, I love doing the research, mm-hmm. lo- looking at the connections. Uh, we started with French music idea. Well, I say we. I probably started with that. But with Julie and collectively, we had talked about a jazz theme at some point in our concert. So decided to combine French and jazz, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I had to research and Mm -hmm. learn more about. And I discovered in the process that so much of the classical, classical music that I know well had so much influence from That's so the American jazz. Yeah. And while I heard it and felt it, I didn't really know right. how that happened and why it was there. And so that was really interesting for me. So I gather a lot of information, a lot of ideas. I get really excited. Mm-hmm. And I could really put a 10-hour long program <laughs> <laughs> with all my ideas. So then I have to start trimming it down, mm-hmm. of course. So that trimming process shows kind of what will fit together. Yes. So that becomes a little stressful for me. Where do I start trimming down? Exactly. So then for this concert particularly, I decided I loved the Mio piano quintet that we'll be playing. La création du monde. So creation of the world. You say it so much better than I could. (laughs) (laughs) And I say it better in French than in English. (laughs) But started from there. So that requires a piano. Uh Which is an option for us at the church when we were doing uh, concerts here at the museum, no piano. Right. So that was also another part of my research. I have to find chamber music pieces that don't have piano. So this time it was an option. Now I reached out to Joel because he knows Mm -hmm. a lot about jazz. And I thought it'd be wonderful if I could have him for my program. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking I should make sure, I should ask him if he's interested, if he's available. Mm -hmm. If he's not, then I have to go another direction. Right, right. So that's why I say it's not a clear line. I have some ideas, then I have some ideas of musicians or specific people. Just a conversation that keeps happening. So that whole transition of what do I trim down, what piece can I use, what musicians or instrument can I use, that shapes up the, the final program. But it's, I feel like I'm taking chances, and I, it's risky sometimes. I want to really do something with the uh, string quartet. Uh-huh. Oh, what if we can't put this piece with string quartet and clarinet and piano together with the musicians if no one's available? Mm-hmm. Or 
So people, instrumentation, ideas, style, all of that is mingled. And, and it just comes together. It does. And in the process, if something doesn't quite work out, I have many ideas to right. choose from. Also, I'm limited in the number of people I can sure. use for a chamber music program. Yeah. We have pesky little constraints like budgets and exactly. things like that. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, there's a real world side to all of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. The venue matters also. Sure. This Space, church acoustics. has good acoustics, so I don't have to worry about what group yeah. I'm going yeah. to get for that. At the museum, I would think about it. Uh, right. What sounds good in the museum's in acoustics. Yes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I feel I also want to let our um, our patrons know that after this concert, we're going to be doing a top back, yes. which will be, and you know, I've said this before, but I think there's something so special about experiencing live music together. You know, it's this moment in time that everyone's there for that will never happen again like that. And that it it's really community building and healing to all just there's no barriers. You know, we're just all experiencing the same thing. We're together for the same reason. It's unifying. And so I'm really excited that we get to do that together. And I know the musicians always share a little bit about the pieces beforehand. And I think that's a really special component of our chamber concerts is hearing about it as we go. We're kind of on this musical journey together in these concerts. And then to be able to now this time to have the opportunity to stay for a few minutes and talk about what we all just experienced together, I think is going to be just really powerful and beautiful. I think so. I think so. I was also imagining it would be fun to do beforehand. We can't really possibly do do that for us. We need to warm up and we need to be focused before we perform. But what a great way it would be to communicate with the audience before and then it feels... Well, you do that when we talk with a real pieces. connection. Yes. Yeah. But knowing that there's a talk back afterwards, I think already connects us to the audience. Mm, yeah. Before we start playing and as we address them when we present the pieces. So I. That there's going to be more connection. Exactly. It's so, the opening talk of a deeper connection. Right, right. Oh, I yeah. love that. Well, I. Is there anything else that we should know about this performance before we go into it? Yes. And before, I just wanted to add all the programs. There's been one constant criteria for me is I like to love the piece on the first listen. And I've said that that to you. And I do love that. Yes. Because the audience, some people that have never heard a specific Mm -hmm. piece, they hear it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they have to like it because many pieces we think, hmm, maybe I'll like this. And after starting to prepare it or listening to it two or three times, like, yeah, it's growing on me. I like it. No, I love it. Yeah. But concert time, you don't have it's it. that it's a opportunity thing. to get there. Exactly. Sometimes I can't apply that because I look at pieces that I've known for a sure. long time. So I forgot what my first impression was. Yeah. But um, that experience. Exactly. <laughs> but. Aside from those pieces, I've always used that rule. I'm going. I'm going to listen to this piece yeah. attentively, and then not start it again, and then write down my thoughts. Or sometimes I don't even write it down. I love that. I, I'm midpoint and listening. I'm like, mm-hmm, I don't like this. That it's when you're planning this, you're thinking of the patron the entire time, the audience member, and how they're going to experience it. And I think that's so important for people to know mm-hmm. that. This is a gift for them. Like, we want them to come and 
and have a beautiful afternoon. I think so. Sometimes I would find wonderful connections, mm-hmm. especially when I was working with the art from the museum. Yeah. Whether it's an artist from Rockford with this special connection and on paper or when I'm doing research on well, We online. are having visual art at this concert. We are also, yeah. But sometimes I would find wonderful connections on paper, you uh-huh. know, or in my mm-hmm. research into facts. Then I'm all excited, go listen to the piece uh, and all disappointed, like, mm. Mm, I don't like this. It's not going to work. So then I'm like, yeah, but the connections was perfect. Yeah. You know? But then I decide not to use it because mm-hmm. that's not the point right. to me to present a concert experience. Uh-huh. If it was a classroom setting sure. to present connections and the development of art and or the artists, that's different. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about the visual art that'll be on this concert. Yes. So Tom Linden is coming. He's been at Anderson Gardens I know sketching and painting a lot of our musicians. How did you meet him? This is a funny story. I played Anderson Gardens over a year ago. Uh huh. And he was with a number of people and they were just sketching, but mm-hmm. they were chatting. And yeah. But a few days later, I was scrolling on Facebook. I don't do much on Facebook, but I like to look at art. Yeah. And I like to scroll. And I saw something I liked. I liked the colors. And so I scrolled back and I'm like, oh, that's a violinist. I like it. And I'm like, oh, Anderson Gardens. They had a violinist play. Look at this. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so what I thought was great is I liked the colors at first because uh-huh. uh, I was just scrolling fast. I liked the fact that it was a violinist, was a musician. Oh, an artist took time to sketch uh-huh. a musician. So I messaged Tom. Mm-hmm. And just introduce myself. I said who I was, and mm-hmm. I said I'm interested in your art, and maybe I don't know if you sell your sketches, but maybe I would be interested. Mm-hmm. And a few days later, he replied, and I did buy that sketch oh, wow. <laughs> on my next trip to Rockford. And then um, it's been on my mind. Uh huh. I've been wanting to do something with this. Uh huh. And only a few weeks ago, I presented the idea to Julie. Uh huh. I've been thinking about this a long time. Yeah, but yeah you have. You yes, own his art. Yeah. Yes. And then I contacted Tom mm-hmm. again, and he loved the idea. So he's been coming to our rehearsals. Oh, wow. We just had rehearsals this morning, and he came. And we decided to do this because pieces we present on this concert are not very long. Uh-huh. The music is about an hour right. worth of time. But each piece is not very long, mm-hmm. 10 minutes, 11 minutes at the most. So I wanted to give him a better chance to mm-hmm. sit down and sketch. So I invited him to come as well mm-hmm. to the rehearsals. So he'll be sketching what's happening during the concert. Yes. And then is he bringing any of his art from he Anderson is. Gardens so we can see kind of this artistic representation of the Rockford Symphony, which yes. just adds this really special extra moment at this concert. Yes, he's bringing a lot of sketches of musicians mostly, mm-hmm. probably a couple other pieces. Wonderful. And he embraced the idea and I love that. looking at pictures and he's interested in the music we're playing and it's been a very exciting collaboration. Yeah. I think people will love the idea. It will be in the lobby. You can mm-hmm. look at his art before mm-hmm. the concert and after. Well, I feel like there's we've talked about so many things that it definitely a concert not to miss. Beautiful music, visual art, the opportunity to build community, to talk to the musicians afterward. If you don't have your tickets yet, they're still on sale. You can even buy them at the door the day of. 
but I'm, I'm really excited for this. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking about all this with us, Michelle, and for, for all the work that you're doing. Thank I know you. that we're all going to benefit from it. Good. We're looking forward to the concert. Thanks. Thank you.